Hello, and welcome to The Worst Person in the Room. I'm your host, Teresa Francesca, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Renee Beauregard-Lute, a recent author of four children's books that have recently come out, the Winokur Wallace books. I think this episode really exemplifies my greatest hope for this podcast, which was that in telling stories about our experiences of shame or guilt or like self-hatred or their less intense cousins, extreme self-consciousness and embarrassment and etc., that we would feel connected to other people and better about ourselves to be very simple about it. And in this podcast, a lot of the things that Renee said really resonated with me, certainly about worrying about being a good person or good enough and, and not feeling like pure of spirit enough. So for me, it was a really good conversation. And I hope you like it too. So let's get into it. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm good. You want to introduce yourself to the people, yes. the, all four people? I would love to. I'm Renee Borgard-Lute, um, and I have three kids and four books that I wrote that are in the world now. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. The The series is called Winnaker Wallace, and it's about a 10-year-old girl who um, moves to Paris, and everybody tells her how great it is and how much she's going to love it, but she doesn't, and... She she is pretty frequently the worst person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I feel like this sounds like the childhood book hero I needed. Yeah. Just like representation for like the weird pessimistic children. Or <laughs> exactly. <something. laughs> I mean, I kind of felt the same way. And honestly, when I wrote her, or when I started, I was living in Minnesota having like the exact same experience where I'm like, uh, I kind of want to go home. And everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Minnesota's <laughs> the best. And in retrospect, like I love Minnesota, but like, it's okay to, to not yum somebody's yuck. You know what I mean? Like if they're having a hard time, it's okay to like, let them have a hard time. Hmm. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> like stop putting silver linings on all yeah. my clouds they're very dark yeah, well, the worst is when you're like, yeah, i don't really like this thing or like i'm having a hard time with this for like masses of people to say to you like just buck up you're fine everything is great and this thing that you're uh, having a hard time with doesn't make any sense like it doesn't actually make you feel any better it doesn't change the situation yeah i'm like saying look on the bright side a thousand times or like oh it's right. fine for me it's <laughs> not super <Absolutely>. helpful yeah <laughs> like just let Oscar be a grouch for a while. Right. It's okay. And he figures it's not the worst thing. Like, I love Big Bird. He's probably my favorite on the whole street. But, like, it's not helpful <laughs> when Big Bird's like, hey, Oscar, like, it's time to climb out of your trash can and have a better day. Like, no, he'll get to it when he's ready. <laughs> Stop trying to change me, Big Bird. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start off with the title question. Okay. <laughs> for you and for Winokur. Right. Have you ever felt like the worst person in the room? I sure have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Many <laughs> times. Um, I feel like I have like earliest memories of remembering that I was the worst person in the room at like, I don't know, five years old, six years old, which seems kind of sad to look back um, and think about. But yeah, I mean, I remember, so I have this this aunt and this uncle who live in Boston and they're kind of fancy. And like my aunt's dad is this famous judge and their house is really nice. And I remember going to this house with my mom when I was really young and having a tea party. And at the very bottom of my tea, like, you know how it gets kind of like, 
I don't know, too flavorful almost. Like there's like mm. too much tea down there. Um, and it was cinnamon raisin tea. And I was like, I'm kind of oh. over this tea. And I don't know what possessed me, but I, I saw that my mom wasn't looking. She was like looking at my aunt and my aunt was looking at my mom. And I was like, I'm going to pour my tea out into my mom's cup and she'll never notice. Um, and like, <laughs> I remember like pouring my tea out into my mom's teacup and like, they both just looked at me and my mom was like, Renee. And it was in that moment. I, I was like, Oh no, I'm the worst. I'm the worst person <laughs> sitting at this table. Um, and I think back on that moment with a lot of shame. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, even even now, there are many times where I'll be sitting in a group of people. Um, and honestly, like in the last year, I feel like I have a fancy thing I can talk about. Like I can pull out the thing about like, I have a book series mm-hmm. and I wrote some books. And I still feel like people, I don't know, I... I'm still kind of the worst person in the room when I um, am talking to other moms or something. And they're like, oh, like my child's in gymnastics and they just got a trophy. And then when I'm like, yeah, like mine don't do gymnastics, but you know what I did? And I realized in that moment, like we weren't talking about me. And I, once again, Mm. I'd be the worst. (laughs) (laughs) So your moments of being the worst are, they're based in like, I mean, well, I guess saying the worst is by nature like comparing yourself to other people but um I think yeah it's always when I realize like I'm the one who's done a weird thing or I'm the Mm -hmm. one who like misheard the question and I'm answering (laughs) in just the wrongest way possible yeah (laughs) it's being socially out of step exactly yes yeah very relatable in this house (laughs) (laughs) so how does Winokur like present as being the worst person in the room. Winnaker um, is definitely a pessimist. And so she never enters um, a situation with any kind of optimism. And so when it's like her first day at school and her grandmother's like, hey, it's your first day. You're going to make new friends. Winnaker's like, honestly, I probably won't. And I've met one kid so far <laughs> in Paris and she was awful. And like, really, my like whole situation here is bad my the outlook is not good there's going to be a classroom full of also probably bad kids um and so that's I think that's her one thing like she just never never goes into anything with any positivity um but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's valid like it's yeah yeah, I mean it's okay to to not look forward to stuff or to be really resistant to change because I think a lot of us are I just realized while you were describing the situation, like, I thought of being a kid and also still. Uh, <laughs> it was like, we change, but we don't change that much. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, whenever I would enter some new situation, like a new grade or a new place or something, I feel like I would get approached by people who are telling me that, like, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be good. Even if it's not going to be great, it's going to be good. And you're going to do this. So this could happen. And I always felt like kind of like they were trampling on me just by saying that even if I wasn't saying anything back and I was like I guess I have to accept that that good things can happen like I wasn't expecting bad things I just was expecting nothing and they're like telling me like forcing like good possibilities on me then I'm like all right like I'm not ready like I'm just kind of entering this whole new situation let me you know, I'm coming in on a neutral plane. And you're trying to get me up. And I'm like, I'm not ready to go up. I'm not yeah. ready. <laughs> right. 
And that's okay. Like that's, I think that's completely okay. And I think we need to stop forcing things on kids and on adults. Like um, I have been to so many summer camps and I hate summer camp. I have never enjoyed any session of camp I have ever gone to. But like for some reason, anytime you tell somebody you're going to go to camp, they're like, you better get Whoa. enthusiastic. Like this is camp. Camp is great. You're going to make your Dude, life more There are so many ticks. And I <laughs> Yeah, and I never did. I mean, I I guess I met other kids. I cannot remember any of their <laughs> names. I remember really only the, like, negative mm. or neutral things that happened. Like, I kind of vaguely remember camp food. Um, but, like, I didn't have a great time at camp. And so I kind of wish that, like, every adult in the world had not said, hey, like, how exciting <laughs> camp. No, it's not that exciting. I didn't like it. Well, what what are some things you've learned about yourself? Is there anything you learned about yourself in the moment that you um, like got caught, you know, dumping the tea remnants into your mom's cup? <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, I think I was like, I make bad choices sometimes, and uh, and I don't know why I do things, and I, I think I carry that with me even now, where um, sometimes I just do things and there's not really a good reason for it. Um, or I'll think back and I'm like, I could have done really anything else and it would have been okay. So why did I do that Mm. thing instead? Um, and I don't know that that's actually helpful for me. Like, I think I have this, this weird thing where sometimes I, I don't know, I'll just do something. Like I remember hanging out with my brother for like a million years when I was a kid and I would just reach over and pinch him. I don't know why. Like I just did. Um, yeah, like I, I just, I wanted chaos. I don't know. <laughs> I and now I've got a five-year-old who is exactly the same way. And so we'll all be having a good day. And then she'll just, I don't know, do something that completely unexpected or, I don't know, push her brother or say like, I, I'm having a bad day and I'm mad at you because of this. And I'm like, what? I don't, I didn't do anything. This was a fine day. Why do you have to be like this? And then I remember like, oh, cause you're me. Um, that's why. Oh my gosh. I always, I, I think I was kind of on and still am again. We don't change that much. Um, on the other side of that fence where I would just come across things, even as a child where like people would leave something out that, that I think is supposed to be refrigerated or supposed to be put away somewhere. And I'm like, Oh, like this is weird, but they must have done it for a reason. And then like hours go by and that thing is still out on the counter. And I'm like, well, I don't understand the re like, shouldn't they have like used it by now if they were going to do something with it? And, and you know, it took me years to like really accept the idea and that people just like leave shit around and forget what they're doing and just do weird things that I don't understand that there's not always a reason and I'm like okay so this is going to drive me crazy and so much milk is going to be spoiled if I keep believing people have reasons for anything (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah it's hard to I mean sometimes you kind of know your own motives and you um, I don't know. You're kind of in charge of yourself, uh, but you're just not in charge of other mm-hmm. people. And I very rarely know what anybody in my house is doing or why they're <laughs> doing it. I, it's, I mean, it's chaos. It really is. I've created my own like kingdom of chaos. And milk definitely gets left out <laughs> all the time around here. All oh. the time. I have a question that is, have you ever recognized something about yourself through books slash TV slash other media? And I think this is perfect for you because you have also created your own media, which I'm very excited for, even though it's not for my age group, but whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and it totally could be for you. I, 
I honestly still read Anne of Green Gables, and I understand that it's like, it's not for me anymore. Although the later books, like, she's my age and older, so I feel like maybe they kind of are for me still. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you can read children's books anytime. I sure do. Um, let me think. What have I learned? Well, through writing Winnaker, I feel like I have learned that all feelings are important. Um, even like, I don't know, bad feelings that like sometimes you get in trouble for having yeah. in the first place. Like I tend to be kind of mopey about things. Like that's just kind of my um, natural <laughs> state is if something goes wrong, like I do not get over it. Yeah. I have a hard time pulling myself up out of bad feelings. Um, I had like a weird conversation with my grandmother on Christmas and I've, I'm like still mopey about it now. And this is many days for Christmas. Um, and Winnegar's pretty much the same way. Um, but I think I validate that when I'm writing her, I feel like, okay, like it's okay that you're sad. Um, external situations and circumstances need to change for you to feel a little bit better and it's going to take some time. And like, that's okay too. You don't need to just jump out of things that, um, happen to you or, or jump out of a weird conversation that made you feel bad you can like get over it in small increments and um, and that's okay and so I, I feel like part of that is like just me validating myself too like it's okay that you're a little mopey Renee because <laughs> that's just your nature that's okay mm -hmm. Eeyore's got friends <laughs> <laughs> all right I'm going to get some some big ones in here. What are some of your earliest moments of experiencing shame, guilt, doubt, question mark? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's that's such a tricky one. This is going to get dark real fast, Teresa. Yes. So, um, <laughs> when I was six years old, uh, my dad died. He was a firefighter, and oh, yeah. um, he had an accident at work, and he died, and it was really sad. And... My response to this, um, I was six. Like, I had just turned six. It was, like, three days after my sixth birthday. Oh. Um, and my mom, like, didn't tell me the night it happened. Um, she was gone that whole day. She was, like, at the hospital with a bunch of the firefighters. And she came home late that night. I had a babysitter. She woke me up in the morning and told me what had happened. And I don't know. I guess because I had watched a lot of TV and read a lot of books and didn't know how else to respond to this, I was like... All right. So like, when do I get a new dad? Cause like you need to have one, obviously. Um, <laughs> wow. And oh man, like That's I still exciting. think about that. My mom would remind me of that, like kind of through the years, like you, uh, you, you asked, that was like the first thing you asked was, okay, when do I get a new dad? Like oh do you need to process that or, and like, I still think about it. Like, well, a that must've been a really shitty thing for her to hear, but also I, like, yeah, what was I doing? Like, why did I not? <laughs> react like a normal person to this and obviously like I did go through years of grief and I still like once in a while I'm like man like that's really sad especially because Maddie is uh, my oldest daughter is going to be six in May and I'm like man like she's about to have more time with her dad as just like this really young person than I did with my dad it's just mm -hmm. super weird to think about um but yeah like I, I think I have shame just even knowing like I mean I was a little kid I don't really have anything to um, to regret there, I still kind of feel shame over like that weird question that I asked my <laughs> widow mother, like, Ugh. 
It was kind of amazing, though. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, when do I get a new one? <laughs> yeah, like, and I think my whole life has been kind of like that. Like, all right, like, I need to be able to make sense of what's going on. And so I'm going to, like, make sense of it in the least, like, normal possible way by, like, asking this question that's going to make everyone profoundly uncomfortable. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm also in the same way, if I have a pet who died, I like immediately I'm like, okay, well, we need a new pet. Otherwise, I'm going to like be sad about this, like really, really sad. Mm -hmm. uh, In addition to like having a missing member of this family. Mm -hmm. So like when my cat Bean died, I was like, all right. So I guess, you know, very sad. I cried a lot. Time to get a new cat. And my (laughs) husband is like still crying about it. He's like, no, like I need time to process. You can't replace Bean. Exactly. Um, and we definitely could not replace her because a few months yeah. later we did get our youngest cat, Ramona, and she's the worst. I mean, she eats poinsettias and vomits all over the floor, and Bean never did that. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> she she feels a, a hunger for life in poinsettias. She does. She <sighs> does. Thank God she's an indoor cat. Like, can you imagine oh my gosh. if she were an outdoor cat? We have, like, holly bushes in the backyard. She'd be dead. Oh, oh. There's a lot of death in this conversation. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> it's an option and our destiny. That's um, true. That is true. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever asked anyone this question that oh, I have I'm on excited. my list. But did you feel happy as a child? Ooh, that's a really good, that's a hard question too. Um... Sometimes I felt happy as a child. Um, I I went to a Catholic elementary school, like a private school, and I I never felt um, like I was living the existence that like people on TV were living, which is kind of what I wanted. I like I kind of mm-hmm. wanted. Um, I don't know, like, what was I watching back then? Probably Full House. I kind of wanted like this like tight knit group of people that. Um, hung out together or this family that like ate dinner together every night. And I felt like reality was kind of disappointing. Like Mm -hmm. I had friends, but like, I didn't really have like a best friend. And I lived in Ware, Massachusetts, which you may have heard of uh, because it's like the opioid capital of the country or something right now. Um, And like, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity for people like me, like at, at the time, I think I was like, maybe I'm going to be a, I don't know, a stage actress. And um, I did get to be in Annie, um, but it was like held in a church and they didn't actually have auditions. And I was just like a, I don't know, a maid who stood next to a maid with a name. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't great. I didn't really like um, live my destiny as a child, but I did. I mean, I, I loved my brother and I loved my mom and um it was a bummer, like not, not having a dad. And, um, my mom had to like, really like get kind of tough. Um, because it was just her, there was like no other parent. And like, frankly, I cannot imagine doing that. I would lose my freaking mind. Um, so I, I think I had very happy moments and I had very unhappy moments. Um, and books were like a really awesome way for me to like, kind of get in my own head and, um, live different experiences as we all kind of continue to do um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's a good question and looking back once in a while I'll think about like sad things that happened as a kid that I didn't realize were sad but now I'm like oh god can you tell me about some unhappy moments you had as a child um 
So <laughs> I'm just going to assume that my Aunt Misha is not going to listen to this. Um, Get out, Aunt Misha. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So I would, I had a lot of babysitters because my mom was like, you know, working and a single parent and she was a teacher. So like after school, she would have to stay and my brother and I would have to come home with somebody. And sometimes it was like a grandparent or an aunt. And I had this one aunt who had three boys and she would say, I don't know, anytime she babysat us, like, oh, I'm so glad I never had any girls. And I remember like getting locked in the tool shed by my like three deviant cousins who were like we're playing cops and robbers we're gonna lock you in the tool shed and i would scream bloody murder because like there's spiders in there and i'm a kid and like i'm like locked (laughs) in a tool shed i think i would still scream frankly and my aunt would be like i'm so glad i never had any girls like i'm glad that this isn't something i have to deal with every day and i just remember being like what the actual heck like what what that is not okay to say to a child like weird what a weird sexist thing um so just weird like babysitting instances um let me think that's that's a pretty good question um i had this this one moment and this is when i was like 12 which like is that is that too old or is like that still childhood that counts yeah so (laughs) Um, I moved from Ware to New Braintree and from private Catholic school where I wore a uniform every single day and since like kindergarten to seventh grade in a public school. And you just don't really know how other people in the world are dressing like when you're not dressing like that. Like if you're not going to Mm -hmm. stores and buying clothing, you just really have no idea. Um, And so I thought that, like, the people in the world were wearing, like, whitewashed, like, tapered leg jeans. They were not. And I thought that it was cool to wear, like, multicolored, like, super bright polo shirts with these tapered leg whitewashed jeans. And it was not. And so it was, like, the first day of seventh grade. And, like, I just remember being very aware. Like, I don't – I am not dressed – correctly this is so wrong um this was a bad choice Renee um (laughs) and I didn't know anybody either like I had come from this private school that was like maybe half an hour away and I had no friends at this new school my mom went from teaching at the private catholic school to teaching at my public school which is frankly a little bit weird and um (laughs) I remember thinking like I'm kind of cool because my mom's a teacher here Oh, or the opposite. Yeah, it was the opposite. (laughs) I was super wrong. Um, And there was this girl who was in one of her classes, and her name was Alyssa. And she seemed really nice. She was, like, on the field hockey team, and she uh, was a cheerleader. And, like, she was just very involved in everything. And she would ask questions. Like, after the very first day of school, she was like, Renee, like, you must really love having your mom at school. Do you have a best friend yet? Now, she was a little bit older. She was like, hmm maybe in the eighth grade when I started seventh grade. And first of all, to Alyssa of the eighth grade, like obviously a brand new kid in school does not have a best friend um, first day of school. <laughs> and to the Renee... Do you know what best friend is, <laughs> Alyssa? <laughs> exactly. And to the Renee in the seventh grade back then, like, God, don't talk to this girl anymore. She's awful. Um Because I literally thought over my one day of seventh grade, thought about a nice boy in my English class who talked to me for a minute and said his name. Like, I was like, "Uh, Kyler, he's my best friend, I guess. And she was like, oh, that's like super interesting. And maybe a week later, 
um, walking down the stairs to the cafeteria after school where all the sports people are meeting and like I'm like headed down there for a snack because I have to stay after for a thousand hours with my mom, the teacher. And I see Kyler and I see Alyssa and a whole bunch of other people. And Alyssa sees me on the stairs and says, Kyler, look, it's your best friend. And I, oh, like, my God. even looking back, like, thinking about that moment, I could still die. And that was, like, 20 years ago. I mean, oh, it was God. so bad. Yeah, yeah. That's so annoying. I'm like, why are people like why this ever I... at any age point? Yeah, <laughs> she was, like, 12. Like, how do you get to be a mean person at 12 years old? Like, what have you it's been like... through? Like, honestly, what I, I don't know. I've been just confused about this for 30 years. So I'm like, what is the point of doing something like yeah. that? Like, what is the point of, like, when I was in sixth grade and the weird, like, three-way calling, the secret three-way yes. calling, where, like, someone gets you to say something, tries to get you to say something mean about the third party who's silently listening? Yes. And I'm like, why? like all I could say was, like, oh, I guess so. And I was like, I guess that's enough for a personal attack. Yeah. Like, oh I don't God. understand. Like, kids, why construct these situations? I know. Kids are brutal. And, like, I feel like I'm, like, reliving it now because I've got a kid who is exactly like me, and she's five, and she's really dramatic the way that I was really dramatic. And so, like, she'll come home, and she's like, so-and-so is not my best friend anymore because they said this. And I'm like, Maddie, hey, listen, like, I this is going to be a hard life. I really just... I need to, like, think of a thing to say to her that's going to, like, change the course of her her future or something. Because it's, like, painful to live through again. Like, oh, God, there's yeah. going to be Alyssa's again and Kyler's, and it's going to be awful. I'm so glad that I don't have any children to bestow, to try to bestow any, like, life advice on. Because I feel like I would be so bad at it. I feel like I'm bad at it. And I've got, like, like, three of them. And I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I feel like... How do you tell a kid, like, the way to be less awkward and bring less, like frustration and humiliation into the Oh life. god, I don't know, I don't but like know. that's genuinely the thing that keeps me up at night. It's like, yeah, how do I tell her like just don't be that dramatic about this? Like, oh god, and also trying to make her like a good person is kind of hard. It's like maybe the hardest part. Um mm-hmm. there was this weird thing at school where her best friend, who's like a really cute little girl, was playing with her and this other girl who she's got a little bit of an attitude and like she she kind of scares me like she came over to me at one point and was like hey I want to come over to your house and I was like okay like I don't know how to say no to that like I'm kind of intimidated by a five-year-old um (laughs) and she had said to Maddie like hey don't play with this other friend anymore like we're not going to play with her today okay and Maddie Uh was like okay because like she has never been in that situation and didn't know that like that's not the thing to do. And so we like went over like role playing things at home and it was like, okay. And if this girl says that again, you're going to say, well, if you don't want to play with her, then I will, but I'd rather play with everyone. And like, I I don't know. I feel like I'm in some really like ridiculous camp, like a hundred percent of the time, which is frankly like my greatest nightmare. And you're just trying to teach kids to be like good, decent people. And it's hard. That's very frightening. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you ever act as the devil on someone else's shoulder? I hope not your children's too often, but that would be fun. <laughs> um, that's probably a thing in my like adult life that I'm least proud of, but like yes. Um yeah. So 
particularly with Maddie, I feel like I can't talk that much about Cecily and Simon because, like, he's three and Cecily's 18 months old and, like, they don't really – their personalities are there, but they're not, like – they're in the way that Maddie is at this point. Um, yeah. Like, if she's being, like, really, really kind of a bummer, then, like, sometimes, I don't know, I just, like, push it to the limit. And I'm like, well, if we're already going to have a bad day, like, I might as well be like, <laughs> all right, Maddie, like, then why don't you go clean up your room? And she's like, N- no, like, I'm having a bad day. And I'm like, well, sorry, then I guess we just can't do this fun thing we were going to do with you. And, like, I don't know why I have that in me. And, like, I'm not proud of it. Like, if a kid is sad, you should probably be like, you know what, why don't you sit on the couch, and I'm going to bring you some tea, and we can talk about this. And, like, sometimes I do that, and sometimes I'm, like, an A-plus mom. But sometimes, I don't know. It's like, I... Yeah, you're just like, I dare you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I dare you to yell at me. Go ahead and see what happens. Like, you're going to get in timeout. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, yeah. I definitely... I feel like that comes out in me, I mean, a lot, honestly. But it comes out a lot if I'm, like annoyed and frustrated and i'm on the it comes out like my version of road rage where like someone passes me and seems like honks or something for like no real reason like i was slowed down because someone else was turning left and you're gonna like rush and get in front of me now that like they're gone and i'm like that just makes me want to follow you really closely like creepy yeah i get it i'm gonna make it worse (laughs) i i also have an issue with road rage for me like it's mostly just a lot of swearing but the problem is like i I have like a lot of people in the car at all times and so like unfortunately simon will drop the f-bomb once in a while and i'm like "Eh, it's probably my fault i don't know did i hear a cat you did yes i've got both of them on my bed right now and the kids are all downstairs with zach and so this is actually really relaxing for me (laughs) Hi, kitties. Okay, next question. What are some beliefs that you've held about who you are or who you should be? And how have some beliefs um, like ruptured and how have some been reinforced? I've got a couple of good ones. Um, Okay, so I guess one of them is like super literal. I grew up Catholic and then, I mean, I have had so many weird like nuances that have like adjusted my view on religion where like I went through this super bizarre born again Christian phase in at the very end of high school um through like the first year of college and it I was just awful to people like I mean it it genuinely was like a thing that like made me horrible to my mom I'd be like you're gonna go to hell like awful stuff (laughs) yeah I mean it was bad um and I went on a couple like missionary trips and one of them in particular, I went to like live on this um, Navajo reservation in New Mexico, and I, I think in the first day there, I realized like this is not the right thing to do. Like all of this stuff I'm doing is very bad. Um, <laughs> we had to like have training before like the kids would come to this camp, this like um, Bible camp basically, and it was one of the only free summer activities that these kids would have, and it was like a really impoverished area, and so basically we're like yeah parents like send us your kids for free and we're gonna brainwash them like that's like a normal thing to do yeah it was bad um and like so it was a it was a very bad summer i got in a lot of trouble that summer because like when you're somewhere for like two and a half months and you realize the first day like i don't want to do this you're just you're (laughs) you're not going to be good at it um so like the first day there like we're we're role-playing and we're supposed to be like one of us will be the counselor and the other will be the kid we pull a situation out of a hat and my first situation was you're a catholic and i was like oh no like i literally am um 
and the the counselor was supposed to talk me out of being a Catholic. And like, oh my yeah, God. it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and like, I got the first bad situation. I, You're a Catholic. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> I like smuggled my CDs into this camp, and like we weren't allowed to listen to any secular music. Like we were adults. I want to point out that I was like so. uh, 19 years old, uh, which is so you weren't allowed to listen to any music. Yeah, like no secular music. And I had a roommate that told on me because I kept my sixpence none the richer CD, and like it was just such a weird thing to get in trouble for. Um, I got in trouble for um, staying too long at a Walmart. Like what? it was just, yeah, like it was just such a bizarre, it was a bizarre experience. And I came home and I was like, that is so awful. Like I, I don't know what got into me, but I'm glad it's out of me. Um, <laughs> so then there was a little while where I was like, maybe like I will become a nun. And I went and I like lived at a mother house for a week. Um, cool. Yeah. And it was like the same branch of sisters that like were the, the sisters where I went to school when I was a kid. And that was really cool. And it was actually a really like quiet kind of nice experience, except I was like, I don't really love following rules. Like I don't like to, um, if somebody's like, okay, we're going to have a quiet meal where there's no talking and you're not allowed to read, um, I don't know, past eight o'clock at night. Like, I'm just not going to listen to that. Cause at this mm. point I'm like 20 years old and that's ridiculous. Um, and so that did not work out for me. And then I just, I had very little religion in my life, but I kind of liked the idea of it. Like, I like the idea of taking my family to church, except then I would go to church. Like I found an Episcopal church out here that I, I loved the pastor. I still do. She's great. But I don't actually like going to church. And I like very recently, like in the last two months, came to terms with it. Like it's kind of okay to not go to church. Even if you're like, I I like the idea of going to church. Like maybe that's good for other people, but it's not good for me and my family right now. And I like the idea of maybe there's a God who cares. Like, but it's okay to not like go somewhere every week and tithe and like follow this really um, kind of arbitrary set of rules that don't necessarily line up in the way that, like, I don't know. I It's okay. It's okay to not go to church and to still consider yourself somebody who believes in God, or it's okay to not go and not believe in God. It's just okay. I think mm -hmm. that that is, like, a big um, thing that I have realized about my belief change this year. Yeah, I've had such a weird relationship with churches because I don't <laughs> I don't like them really yeah. <laughs> but I like I've gone to them way more the last like six years of my life um because because like I realized that you know I found out Unitarian Universalist was a thing just like a church without a religion which is perfect it's like you can go to church and not believe in God <laughs> it's like that's perfect <laughs> yeah that is perfect um, or that you know, association, Unitarian Universalist Association can really, um, like attract people who, who like came from, like who grew up in religions and liked like the church going experience, but not the religion itself. And I feel like I kind of had like the opposite where I was, you know, I, you know, I was never really like forced to go regularly to church. Most of my visits to a church were for weddings or something. Um, so I grew up very secular and whenever I did go to church, it was usually like a weird, like negative experience where like they're passing a weird communion wafer around and I'm like, should I be different and not take it or should I do it to blend in? Like, I'm going to feel disgusting to myself yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Um, 
So I, I still have a very tricky relationship with churches and I'm like, well, like I, you know, I, one thing I definitely believe in is uh, sleeping in on Sunday. So yeah, yeah. it's fine <laughs> not to Absolutely. go. <laughs> also, like, I kind of feel like Sunday is like genuinely sacred to me. Like I really need that time to not leave my house. Like I, Simon <laughs> exactly. um, was diagnosed with autism last year. And so there's a lot of therapy in our lives. Like Maddie, I have to bring her to school every day. Cause it's like a thing is like, you're supposed to bring your kids to school when they're school aged. And like, I find like, that's a lot. Um, just every day, same time you go to school and then Simon, his schedule changes literally every day. Like there's different hours of therapy in our house and different hours of therapy outside of our house and then developmental preschool. And Cecily doesn't do anything yet. Cause like, when would there be time? So yeah, I mean, I feel like Sunday is like the day where I'm not doing anything and I'm going to be okay with that. It's very important to have a do nothing day. Yes. Absolutely. I also realized like sometime in the last probably three or four years that I'm an introvert and I, my whole life didn't, didn't know that about myself. Um, I thought that because I enjoyed talking to other people and sometimes being in a social situation that I was an extrovert. And so I would like allow myself to just be constantly bombarded by like people and things and like, (laughs) well, I guess I'd, better be out doing stuff because that's what people do and I would get really stressed out and sometimes kind of depressed at the end of a day um without realizing why and it wasn't until I think I had kids and like sort of took myself out of society for a while like I was like Mm -hmm. all right like I'm gonna be in my bedroom healing from this like tremendous trauma that my body just went through um (laughs) and then I was like wow like I actually feel pretty great because I'm not talking to other human beings like it's (laughs) kind of nice to like hole up in your room and I had never actually let myself do that before um so that's been big like now I know I can be around people, but then I'm going to go back to my room and enjoy the darkness and watch an episode of Younger, which is a really <laughs> Enjoy the darkness yeah. is the tagline of my life. Absolutely. <laughs> what are some realizations or epiphanies you've had about yourself? The, um, the introvert thing was like a big thing because I think that's like the most, probably the most life-changing. Like now I know how to take care of myself when before I did not. Um, <laughs> gosh, that's a good question. Um... I I realize that I have like things that I do that are kind of tells that I'm uncomfortable. So mm. um like I laugh after I talk a lot. And usually it's if I'm <laughs> kind of uncomfortable. Um so like if I'm listening to like a recording or something, or if I leave a voicemail for someone and then I like have the really unfortunate pleasure of oh, hearing no. it again oh, and I'm like no. why did I laugh after I said hi like why did I laugh after I said sorry I missed you like why did that happen I don't understand um and so I feel like I'm at least trying to have more insight into myself like why are you uncomfortable in this situation um do you need to do this thing that makes you uncomfortable if so like how can you be less uncomfortable and if not don't do it yeah I've been trying to figure out what um when something's uncomfortable and it is it is optional but it's uncomfortable like is that a thing you should go toward to like further your development or you know yeah. make yourself less uncomfortable and like develop that like part of yourself that's like it's wanting to hide cuz it's not strong um and if is that the only way to strengthen it you know 
that's hard and obviously you can't do that all the time and I'm like well when is the time to like you know kind of run away and protect yourself and when is the time to you know emerge from your shell uncovered right like you're going from to your next hermit shell crab or whatever hermit shell hermit crab shell what are words <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you're naked right now and, <laughs> and you're on your way <laughs> yeah i mean i I still don't know the answer to that. I, um, I'm i supposed to have like a little, like a, a lunch party, but I'm going to make it as small as possible. And it's going to be like an open house <laughs> thing. And I'll do a couple of small readings from the books and we'll have food and that's it. And then I want everyone out. And like, there's a part <laughs> of me now that I'm like, how can I get out of this thing that I started to plan? Because I don't, I don't know. I, mm. I don't love parties. Um, and I don't really love the whole like, marketing myself thing and it it occurs to me that that's actually kind of like part of the job like that's part of what you're supposed to do um but I don't like doing it and it's fairly easy to like repost something on Facebook like oh did my publisher say something about my book I'm gonna quickly repost that but when somebody says like hey like tell me about your book in real life well I do a lot of uncomfortable laughing and then I do a really bad job of explaining like what the books are about because I don't like it like I don't like I don't know that that element of like putting myself out there and I also have this thing where I hate repeating myself so yeah yeah, like that annoys me so much me too if I know I've had a conversation before with a different person like I don't want to say the same thing that I already said because like I feel like there's I don't know like kind of a phony or something like uh you said that before Renee like you just memorized a script (laughs) that's not authentic I don't know yeah I get that Exactly. I mean, it's even worse having to repeat it to the same person. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, what are some ways that you've learned about yourself um, through through your relationships with other people? Who, um, I well, with my friends that I tend to admire, and like I like to think that I've started really like surrounding myself with people that I admire, whereas like in high school or in college, you're kind of with the people that you're with. Like there are the people that you know from circumstances and um, you don't really need to admire them. Like they're, they're just the people (laughs) that you know. Um, (laughs) And I think as you get older and as you like get a job or like the people that you're with tend to be people that you've like hand selected. um, It's good to be around people that you want to be more like. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, I've learned from friends out here who are just like way better at parenting than I am. I'll be like, hey, like, that's cool. The way that that person like sat down with their child and uh, when their child was being like, obviously kind of shitty, like they didn't call them out on it. They were like, there's obviously a reason you're feeling like that. Can you tell me what it is? And like the problem is solved in seconds. Like, wow, that's a really great parenting maneuver. Um And so I feel like I'm learning like better ways to be, I guess, um, Mm. from my friends. And then on kind of the flip side, there are people who, um, like my own kids, like my own family, where I'm like, that thing you do like drives me freaking crazy. And then I realize like, I do it too. That's like Uh my (laughs) thing that I have about like repeating myself. Like I have a family member who, repeats themselves a lot and it drives me so crazy I could explode and so I feel like that's kind of helped me to be aware of what I'm saying like don't just say stuff to say it but um consider whether you've said it 15 times before or why you must say it at all that kind of thing 
Do you have any longstanding fears about who you are? Um, I do worry that I'm not a good person. And like, I don't really know what the definition of a good person is. Um, I, I hope to... I'm nodding so hard to yeah, this. <laughs> I, I hope to be a good mom. And I hope that my kids grow up to be confident and to know how loved they are and how valuable they are. Um, but I know I mess it up a lot. I mean, I, I yell at my kids when I don't, I don't want to be a parent who yells at her kids, but I do it anyway. Um, or in the mornings when like we're running late, I'm like that mom who's like, Oh my God, like get your shoes on. We gotta go. We have five minutes. We're going to be late. And I don't want to be that person. Um, but in general, like I'm working on being a good mom and then I am trying to be a good writer who writes frequently and like does more writing than she does Facebooking. Um, and that's also kind of a challenge, but like the, the core of like being a good person, I just don't know what it means. And I don't have um, kind and pure thoughts all the time. Like sometimes I see somebody and think like they have a real case of the douche face. Like I would not like them if we got to know each other. I just know it. And I don't know why. Um, I don't know why that's in me. I wish that I don't know. I were more like pure of spirit or something. And I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I have the same thing so hard. Oh, good. That actually <laughs> makes me feel like relieved. <laughs> Yeah, I know if like, if, yeah, sometimes I have that reaction when people seem too positive and I'm like, don't, I don't, I don't think you would, I don't think you would like me because I'm having this resentment feeling to you yeah. and it's just, and like, why can't I just be like someone like who's at least, you know, so, some people just seem like they're like they are like pure of spirit and they're like, I immediately see the best thing, the best light in you and and, you know, I have no weird preconceived resentments yeah. <laughs> against a relative stranger or something. And I'm like, I, but I'm like, you only know yourself. Yes. So. Yeah. It's like you get know all your like nasty, like raccoon nests inside of your soul. And it's just like, uh, but I have all this, so I can't really be a good person, am I? Is it like, is my raccoon nest okay yeah. in the good person pile? I, you know, what's allowed here? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm feeling like I'm not a good person, so I'm going to commit <laughs> really hard and just be super obnoxious. Yes. Super harsh. Yeah, I, I'll have days where I'll realize, like, anything I've said about another person today has not been a nice thing. Like, I've said mean things about the mailman or, like, the weird guy from down the street that, like, literally has come to our door three times now. And I do not understand, like, this is not a society where you just go to other people's houses. Like, get with the program. I don't know. Um, <laughs> my husband is a lot more, like, magnanimous and, like, gentle of spirit where this new guy, this new neighbor – will come to our house, invite himself in, and, like, ask me to Google something for him. What? Yeah, oh thank you. It, it drives me <laughs> nuts. Like, he came to the house. I was literally wearing a fleece onesie, like, footy pajamas. <laughs> a classic. And, yeah, there's, like, nothing about that outfit that will tell you, like, I want company right now. Like, come join me. <laughs> um, but he's like, can I come in out of the cold? Like, I just need you to Google something for me. And I was like, I guess? Like, so I... Oh, God. That but sounds like, like a demon. <laughs> like yes. to let someone into your house. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. And Zach's <laughs> like, well, he's old and he's lonely, but like, no, there's a line that you should not cross. And the fleece onesies, that's the line. What do you doubt in yourself or about yourself? 
Um, I've already used the word phony, and I like kind of resent using it again just because <laughs> I don't want to be a Holden Caulfield. That's like the least, the worst thing that I would ever yeah. um, want to be. He's the worst, but mm-hmm. kind of being a phony, like I. To be upfront, I mean, I have worked my butt off. Like I, um, I went to grad school. Like I learned how to write, and I relearned how to write, and I've done so much work just to get to this point. But I still, like, when I sit down and try to write something else, I feel kind of like a phony. Like I'm, I don't know, not the real thing. Like mm-hmm. there's like a Shannon Hale or a Rainbow Rowell, but then there's like me and every other Joe Schmo who's like, I'm gonna sit down and like act like I'm a writer, and I don't know, <laughs> I. I guess that's a thing that I I have anxiety about. Mm. I guess it's called imposter syndrome. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Aim for like, you can never like accept that you are, um, you you could be amongst the ranks of other people. Like, yeah, I think it's another thing about like, oh, you only know yourself and you can look at other people like they're real. Like they're a real example of something or even like a real person uh, (laughs) in a way that you might not feel about yourself because you're, in yourself um absolutely yeah you just you know too much you know too much exactly like i know i know that i've spent more time on social media than i have written this year and like i wrote three books this year so like i kind of feel like that's that's problematic that's too much facebook (laughs) i mean do you get anything good at i mean you must get something good out of facebook or you wouldn't be on it as much as you are i don't know i mean um to, to be like really honest, I enjoy sharing pictures of my kids and looking at uh, pictures of people's puppies and <laughs> their cats as well. Um, and sometimes like my friends are funny and they'll say funny things or um, once in a while you'll say something and I'm like, that resonates with me. Like, cool. But for the most part, I this is terrible to say, but I think I actually just get rage out of Facebook. Like, <laughs> I mean, this year particularly, not to get, like, super political, but I have unfriended or blocked so many, like, family members and people who weren't really friends, but, like, I knew them at some point in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, I mean, it turned out they were, like, really big Trump people, and I was like, I'm just kind of done. I don't need that anymore. And so, like, I would get upset, and then I would be like, Zach, you got to see what so-and-so said, and then I would unfriend them. And, like, I'm pretty much done with that. Like, I I don't think I have anyone left um, who's really a Trump person. But I still still get kind of furious on Facebook. Today, I was on there and um, a writer friend from, um, like, a a writing workshop that I used to do, she had posted this thing that was like – I saw this guy today and he asked me if I was married and I was really creeped out. Like, am I right to be creeped out about that? Mm -hmm. And I commented and said, well, like I I feel kind of two ways about that because on one hand I would be creeped out. And I one time had someone follow me home and I was like, Mm -hmm. like a month postpartum. Like I had just had Simon and the kids were in the stroller and like I had my wedding ring on and this guy followed me from like the intersection all the way to my apartment building and oh, he gosh. asked me out and I was really scared like I hid in my rental office that's how scared I was I didn't want him to know where we lived yeah. um but in retrospect I'm like I think that he didn't realize how creepy that that was but like it still wasn't it still wasn't okay mm. but on the other hand now that Simon has his diagnosis um I feel like 
I've been reading a lot of blogs and articles by autistic adults, and it seems like one of the the greater issues is like, hey, it's really hard that we have all these like arbitrary social rules, like what's creepy and what's sweet, like what's romantic and what's over the top. Like it's just these really fine line things, um, mm -hmm. and it's hard to keep up with them. And so I, I like mentioned this. So like, I don't know what's going on with the guy who asked you, but it's possible that he just like was not exactly clear on the social rules there. Um, but if you're uncomfortable, obviously, like, leave the situation. Mm -hmm. And this white cisgender man comes onto the, the Facebook post. And he's like, okay, like, don't start with your, um, the guy could have been autistic thing, because that's not autism. That's uh, the patriarchy. And that's sexism for him to ask if you're married like that. And if you were autistic, he would have said, do you want to go on a date with me? He wouldn't have asked if you were married. And I was like, I am gonna what? like blow a gasket like thank you for explaining uh the patriarchy and autism to me um, <laughs> and like i literally it put me in a oh, bad gosh. mood for like an hour like i was so annoyed about it and so honestly i don't think i'm getting a lot of good stuff out of social media <laughs> i think i think i get like a a rise out of it but like mostly it's like an anger rise like mm. i don't know i'm not sure why we do it i I like to keep in touch with friends who are far away and with family members, but at some point it might be like time to delete the app, you know? Hmm. Do you do a lot of things that are like um, emotion amplifiers? Um, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Um, I would say it's probably fairly balanced where some things I'll do um, – because I know that they will be like, uh, like checking Facebook, like I know I'm going to be annoyed about an article or something stupid, the current president did or whatever. And I don't know why I still read those articles. I'm not really sure why, I guess, other than to get the like, um, the anger rise out of it. Um, so that might be the thing I do. But I don't know. I also feel like I spend a lot of time at the end of the day trying to like wind everything down. Like I put mm -hmm. everyone to bed and I'm like, let's like put on some nice music and we're all going to be calm and we're not going to have any like weird tantrums right before bed. And then like I'll read a book that's like not too much. Like I used to read a lot of like horror novels or oh. um, yeah, like when I was before younger, like, I, felt like, I, could, like <laughs> I could take it. But like now, like I just can't and like I can't really watch any scary movies either. Um, and it's like, I spend half the day trying to like bring everything down to zero. Like, mm. um, I don't know, but yeah, it's like a weird, why do we like read stuff about what's going on in DC? I mean, I guess part of it's like, cause knowledge is good. Um, but why do we do these things when they're like, just going to make us so mad? Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking of, um, this thing of like, when people listen to music, like listen to sad music because they feel sad and it's an emotion amplifier in that way, yeah. or they listen to happy music when they're sad to try to like get themselves out of it or like something that's not sad <laughs> to make them stop feeling sad or make them feel less sad. Yeah. And like, like obviously the same person can and does do both um, within their lifetime or even the day. Yeah. So I want, I, I guess my, my immediate assumption based on me knowing me too well is like, like, oh, if I'm kind of in a, in a worse, like, uh, 
argue, you know, a supposedly less emotionally healthy space, whatever that means, uh, <laughs> then I would go for like an emotion amplifier if I'm already in like a, you know, a, a less desirable emotion. That's smart. That's really yeah. smart. I, I think you might have a, you might have something there. Like it's, yeah. I mean, if I'm already kind of annoyed or something, I think I, I don't like to be annoyed. I think I would prefer to be angry. And so it's possible that like, that's one of the reasons we, we do that stuff. It's really fun sometimes too. I'm like, if I'm having, you know, do a deep dive on my own past and I like get into, I remember, remember Nightwish exists. Start listening to Nightwish songs, and I get really into the Nightwish mood <laughs> of being like 15 and very dramatic, um, which I still am. It's <laughs> so like, did I ever have a, have a working mask of not being dramatic? I think I, I think I had that up for. I was like, oh, dramas being dramatic is bad. So you, you know, it means something bad about you. So you have to not be dramatic. At oh. least outside of yourself, where people might see it, and but I'm like, you're su- you're super you're super dramatic though inside. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've always been dramatic, and I do think that there's, <laughs> especially on like little girls, there's this like stigma where it's like, okay, like you're a drama queen, and that's a bad thing to be, but like it's yeah. it's really not. I mean, I feel like drama queens are going to be kind of ruling the world at a certain point here, because um, they have big feelings and they care about stuff, yes. and like that's important. Yeah, my feelings are going to eat the world. Right. <laughs> Have you ever discovered something about yourself that scared you or alarmed you? Um, I think I realized um, that I'm not super great at sticking with things. I mean, with some things, I am great at sticking with them. Like I... Um, the writing thing has like been around a while and like I can stick with a good writing project for a long time um, especially if I have like deadlines and stuff like that um, and I'm like pretty good at sticking with the parent things like I don't know what the other option would be uh, <laughs> to that Just running but, away start a new life <laughs> yeah um, but like anything else like um, I'm trying to think of a of a good example I mean I've I've put on a lot of like hats throughout my life. Like I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be a nun. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to whatever. And then like, I'll realize like a little bit into it. I'm like, this is awful. Like, I don't want to do this. I need to get out of it. I need to like burn it all down. And I, um, I've definitely to burn it all down. Exactly. I mean, I've definitely <laughs> done that. And unfortunately I do have this thing. Um, it's probably the thing I like the least about myself, which is like, okay, like I have this journal that I've been writing in and I don't really like who I was this year or some of the choices that I made or the thoughts that I had. So I'm going to throw away my journal. And I have done this all, Aww. I know I've done it since I was oh like a gosh. kid. So I have very little record of like the things that I was feeling back then because I felt like they were not like valid thoughts or mm. uh, they weren't things I would want someone else to find. I actually still kind of like live in agony knowing that like I've written my grandmother these letters. She's probably got like 300 or 400 letters that I've written her throughout my life. And I know there are some doozies in there from when I was like in high school. And I was like, I'm going to tell you something about my mom. And I'm like, Oh God, like someday my grandmother is going to pass away and my mom is going to have these letters. And she's going to be like, <laughs> what did you say to me or about me? like it's gonna be it's gonna be rough i cannot throw away my old journals that's good i've tried it's and good, i'm like though. 
I can't, there's just a mountain of stuff. And like, I have conversations, long things from like, like about second grade on. And just like conversations I re- recorded in my journal verbatim that happened at school that day. And I'm just, this is, this is stuff. This is stuff. This is so much stuff. <laughs> it's like having a record though. My, my husband, um, he is like really into record keeping and like, I'm good about it for other people. Like the kids' baby books are amazing. Like I've got a lot of stuff in there and they've got like keepsake boxes full of stuff. And like, I'm great at pictures and like, like keeping these things that I know that we're going to want to hang on to. But if they're about me, I'm like, burn it all. Like nobody should see this. Nobody should know. (laughs) Um, But Zach like will keep everything as a file. And we have this like family Dropbox that like is where we keep all of our pictures and stuff. And I like downloaded um the new version of it to my new phone and i saw that he has all of his old instant messenger like conversations on our dropbox and i was like can i like look at this and he was like yeah i don't care that's from like 15 years ago and it's amazing it is amazing that's amazing. I want to read. Yeah. I, I read anybody's aim messages it was, or whatever. I mean, it's like better than like reading a book. Like I was like reading through it. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I know some of these people still. Like you can like see how he interacted with his mom 15 years ago. It's crazy. So I'm, oh I guess gosh. I'm glad that he does not have the same thing that I have about like burning it all. Get rid of it. <laughs> my gosh. I think I had... Even when I was very, like, new to journaling, you know, a, you know, amateur journalist, journalist, journaler at, like, age eight, um, I had this idea that, like, that the world would want this someday, that, like, this could be important, like, artifacts of me in particular. And um, I even had an idea of, like, of what for a normal person would be like, oh, they're like great grandchild or something in the distant future, discovering these things in an attic and being like, oh, this person who is old and super dead is, you know, was as much a person as I'm a person. Yeah. You know, I had that kind of internal life that I only know of me having. And which is ironic because I knew when I was four years old that I didn't want to have children. So I was like, oh, that will not, you know, I was like, my brother would have to have kids and that's, I, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Although, but, I mean, yeah. I feel like things like this could be important to other people in the future. When I was um, going to Hamlin uh, for grad school, like my on-campus job was working in the archives of the library. And we had this really amazing collection of letters between this husband who was a um, – a professor at Hamlin in like 1905 and his wife was living in New York and like, they didn't have any kids or anything, but I was fascinated and I got to like transcribe everything. And I don't, I mean, it was so cool. I think about it all the time. Like I got to like be in on this relationship that happened a really long time ago and it was pretty cool. That's awesome. I'm yeah. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so keep those journals. Cause somebody might transcribe them later. Like, keep them for all of time <laughs> what did roger say in language arts class i don't know <laughs> right. that roger <laughs> you get in your own way Ooh, um not being awesome with my own time and like mm. i should know 
I should know how important time is. And especially, like, I have so little free time in my life. Like, Simon requires me to, like, be in his room until he falls asleep at night. So for real, like, from morning to night, <laughs> I'm, like, with these children in, like, I mean, sometimes it's, like, all three. Sometimes it's two or one of them. Um, and so I should know, like, okay, I've got an hour and a half to write while Cecily is taking a nap. I should write. But, like, no, I'm going to, like, play disney emoji on my phone because i don't know why it's not even that fun i don't know i get in my own way by wasting my own time and i it's something that i would really like to work on in the new year because i keep thinking if i didn't waste all this time like on my phone i really should just throw it out the window um, <laughs> that seems to be kind of the the theme here if i didn't waste my time i think i could write a lot more like my, i would be a lot more prolific a lot less stressed out that's how i get in my own way mm. Has anything come into your life that made you feel like it energized you more to feel more empowered to change or more fully inhabit yourself? Ooh, you're really great with the questions. <laughs> um, I have a list. That's a good one. <laughs> um, I think for me, having kids was a really good, um, I don't know. It was a mirror in that like I am constantly listening to them saying things that I've already said. So um, if I've lost my temper, like they're going to repeat the stuff I said, and then I'm going to feel really bad about it. It's like it. being really kind of... directly haunted, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's exactly like it. Um, Simon, especially, like I'll hear him like talking to himself in his room and I'll be like, what's up, buddy? And he's like, Simon, that's a bad boy. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like from a sad Lifetime movie. Like who said you're a bad boy? And then I'm like, oh, you know what? Like I might have accidentally said that at one point and then I feel terrible <laughs> terrible about it um so that's pretty I mean they like literally came into my life I think that's um that's what they've done for me <laughs> but also having um had the Winnaker books picked up um I feel like that should have inspired me to like keep going with it and I, and I think it has like I feel like okay like I'm I'm a real I'm a real writer, like I can do this and I should be doing this. And I, for some reason, like I do kind of hold myself back. Like I really, um, the last book that I wrote was like, I think I turned it in last June. And then I've pitched, I think, two different series to um, my publisher. I'm still waiting to hear back about one of them. But I'm like, while I'm waiting for stuff, like I could be actually productive like why don't I I'm like waiting to hear back so I'm like okay I'm just gonna do nothing then I'm gonna um look at Twitter a little bit and pet my cats mm. but that's not it's not great <laughs> I mean petting cats is always a pretty solid plan but that's yeah. that's true Do <laughs> <laughs> you think there have been any uh, like themes or motifs like throughout your life weaving in and out <laughs> Um, yes, I think so. Um, I think religion has been kind of one of them where mm -hmm. it's like, whenever I'm feeling not really sure of myself or what the next step for me is going to be, I'm like, maybe I should go to church. Like, maybe I should do that. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I notice that I tend to do that. Um, and I don't think it's for any like grand spiritual reason. I think it's because growing up in a Catholic church, like you're kind of taught like, that's what you do. Like if you're feeling um, 
lost, it's your own fault, and you should get yourself to a Catholic mass. And so, like, I moved out to Minnesota for grad school, and, like, the first thing I did was, like, better find a church that speaks in Latin for some reason. Like, Um. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) They're, like, the real deal Catholics. Um, And then, like, as soon as we moved out here, I was, like – kind of ungrounded like unmoored I had a baby and we had to move out here because like Zach's video game company like came crumbling down in Rhode Island and it was like such a rough thing and so I'm like better find a church and I don't I don't really know why it just it was like the the next step the thing that I had to do I guess whenever you like grow up in you know with a church being part of your life it's just like it, it's it's building your, itself in you as like yeah like i need like you know i've been part of your life since before you could remember i should be there i should be present there should be a church absolutely yeah unfortunately like some of that is good where it's like you should um go out and like find spiritual fulfillment and like i agree with that i just don't think that we all need to do it in the same way yeah. i think it's like really individual But then there are these things from especially like Catholic elementary school when I was taking religion class in the second grade. That was that's like the age where you get um, your first communion. So you have to take all these little classes um, in order to like work up to the big day. And we had this nun who would come to our class and like just scare the crap out of us. And like I carry that with me, too. I mean, it's like you you bring the good stuff and the bad stuff. I remember her saying, "Okay, like you're going to get this little wafer, but it's not a wafer. It's Jesus's body. And if you don't believe 100 percent that that's really his body and really his blood, it'll turn into a beating heart in your mouth. What? And everybody, yeah, and everybody's going to know it because you're going to walk back down that aisle there's going to be blood coming all out of your mouth and i was like scared oh my i was scared shitless oh my i remember making my first communion and i'm like okay god i promise i believe i promise oh please god. don't turn into a heart in my mouth i will throw up oh god that might be my favorite nun it, was, it would be if was i was crazy. a nun just scaring children for no good reason it was terrifying. <laughs> It'll turn into a beating heart in your mouth. Only blood. Everywhere. Oh yeah, it's the best. And you never forget that. Oh like God. literally, I think I could go to a Catholic mass today, and I'd be like, "Should I do it?" Or like, "Am I? Do I really uh, believe this, this tasteless wafer? What is happening?" It's a good way to scare kids. Oh my God, it's amazing. Right. <laughs> it's like admirable i'm like i should take notes if i want to scare children (laughs) right you could be like a scary nun for halloween one year i mean in my heart that's what i am a scary nun (laughs) (laughs) i want the peacefulness and the shame (laughs) yeah my gosh amazing nuns are amazing (laughs) they are i didn't get to spend any time with them because you know secular and also i think the south is like less you know is a much less catholic more just like protestant yeah. baptist that kind of stuff i can't tell the difference between honestly <laughs> right <laughs> but i always wanted to um i i liked the idea of of being a nun but like because i didn't you know want to be christian in any sort of way um <laughs> and me wondering like what is the it was like some people make a distinction between Christian and Catholic, which confuses me because I'm like, well, Jesus is in both of them, so who cares? It's the same to me. But right. uh, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, though Catholics seem like wait, like they're just like pagan Christians because they still have a ton of you know just candles everywhere and a bunch of people, the saints and everything. Yeah. Bunch of days. In my experience, like when I was like running with the born again crowd, it seemed like the biggest <laughs> problem that they the like Southern Baptists especially um, that they had with Catholics was the they called it Mariolatry or like the like adoration of Mary. And like now looking back, I'm like I don't know. I mean, like I've got some real issues with um, the the patriarchy being like the church. Like you listen to your male pastor and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like the Catholic Church, I mean, they've got their real problems with that. Like they women are still not allowed to be priests but at least like they were looking up to a woman like that's a good start i don't know i I like it me too yeah and the churches are really pretty i mean yeah yeah (laughs) i feel so strongly about the aesthetics of the church (laughs) (laughs) we also so i went to saint mary's um but we for some reason had a statue of saint lucy who's like honestly the most terrifying saint like in the whole catholic church she's the one who uh, a man once told her that she had pretty eyes and so she dug out her own eyeballs um that, yeah like so that, that sounds could... like me whenever whenever reese is like you're so pretty and i'm like i'm i just pretend to claw at my face <laughs> <laughs> oh like yeah that's exactly it <laughs> and like i remember being like why do we have this statue here it's like terrifying um, yeah i feel like like 40 percent of that religion is maybe just kind of scaring children i love it <laughs> i support that <laughs> Is there any theme in your life that you're currently dealing with or preoccupied with? Um, I have this, like, I, I think it's the same thing that everyone has. So, like, this is not going to be interesting at all. But, like, I I realized that time passes really fast, like, a lot faster than I used to think it did. And so <laughs> I feel like I am, like, dealing with that every day where it's like, okay, like, I'm going to be dead at some point, And that's going to be a bummer. So, like, I want to make <laughs> memories that are going to be great for other people and for me. And I want to make sure that I'm not wasting my time. And yet I am constantly wasting my time. And it's such a weird like I don't know I don't know how to get out of this awful like cycle of it like okay Mm. Renee like you've got like one year to um I don't know do this amount of things like whatever you've like set out for yourself in January and then like literally every year I'm like "Eh, I didn't really do all those things I tend to like self-sabotage like I'm about to lose my Goodreads reading challenge and I'm kind of bummed about it and I'm like I mean I could just finish this one book I'm reading and then I think that is like my challenge number but I'm like yeah but like uh, I might as well just finish this episode of Younger which is a really excellent program um, (laughs) instead like I don't know I'm a self-sabotager unfortunately you got two days. I do. You still got two full days to meet your Goodreads chat. I should read. I should just read the book. I mean, it's a good book. I don't know what my problem is. Yeah, just put it on top of a cat. And perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you really like about yourself that most people might not know? Oh, that's a really good question, Teresa. I'm I'm interesting in my own head, and I feel like. Um, I like spending time with myself, which, like, it's kind of a weird and conceited thing to, like, say out loud ever. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is to, like, go by myself somewhere. Like, go out to dinner by myself or, like, go to a bookstore by myself. Mm. And, yeah, I, I think... 
that's probably the thing. Like, I'm kind of fun to be alone with, just not for other people. I mean, maybe for other people, but, like, most importantly, for myself. Like, ever since moving in to, like, a one-bedroom, I'm, like, all about time to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I miss having my own room. <laughs> It's hard. So, it's hard when you're sharing hopefully. your life with like one person or with 10. Like it's, I don't, especially for introverts. Like it's, it's like, I don't know. You need time to recharge even from the person you're like sharing your bedroom with. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can find an apartment that has like a little half bedroom space so I can use as my office, like a door that closes. So I don't have to like record in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, time alone is so it's like delicious. It's like it's it just feels really directly nourishing. Yeah, absolutely. Like taking yourself out. It's like taking yourself out on a date and like going for a walk by yourself or going to just going out to something and just you don't have to worry about, you know, someone else needing to go to the bathroom or needing to yeah <laughs> you know yeah like when you're the only person who matters because like you don't have to check in with anyone else like yeah. you can do what you want to do it's it's amazing it's the yeah. best <laughs> it's like a superpower right. that we could you know at any time have if we chose to even though we could <laughs> it's not always the best time but <laughs> right yeah. It. I'm like my dream like the the uh Virginia Woolf room of one's own has become so such a huge thing in my head oh yeah since not having one and I'm like oh I want that I get it I'm <laughs> with you 100% so my desk is in the living room and so like if I need to to write I'm like doing it with an audience or yeah. I'm doing it like while it's like dark in Simon's room at night and like it's not that's not what she was talking about like that's very much not my own room okay. i think i asked every question did you have anything else you wanted to talk about no i don't think so this is fun i feel like i learned a lot about myself i also feel like i learned that i need to like get rid of my social media apps i feel like that would improve my quality of life a lot yeah and your goodreads challenge yeah yes <laughs> oh do you have any books to recommend um, ooh, that's a great question. Okay, so there's this book that I've been giving to everyone, like, all the time for every holiday, and I'm going to tell you about it because I feel like everyone – I don't know. It's one of those books that people are like, ah, it's so silly and cute. And it's like chiclet and we don't need to take it seriously. Oh, um, no. Those are the let, best, though. <laughs> exactly. Let me make sure I know the title before I say it. I think it's called Little Beach Street, Street Bakery. See, the author is... Colgan. That's the one. So this book is so lovely. And... Um, I read it and I gave it to my mother-in-law and then I gave it to my mom and I, like, I've given it to everyone because it's about this woman who like gets a divorce and her business comes crashing down. And so she's like, I'm going to go live on a little crappy Island off the coast of England and like start over. Um, but like without any money and without, um, really any like skills or jobs or anything. And so like, she's in kind of a, a crap place and like, she just learns, how to make the best of it and like that she really likes being with herself and she ends up like adopting a pet puffin and like it's such a lovely book and there's like a million recipes for bread because she decides to start <laughs> baking and I felt like I don't know it's such a cozy thing to read but also to like help you discover like I don't know it's okay to be by yourself or to be in a weird situation and not know mm -hmm. what to do so you bake some bread um 
I would I would recommend that book because yeah, it's annoying as heck when there are these amazing women writers and they write these great books that like affect people and people love and then they're like not on any um, mm-hmm. bestseller list because they're written by women for women. Um, so there's that one. I'm currently reading The Arrangement, which is I will finish it for this stinking challenge. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Um, it's actually really good. It's like about this couple who decides they're going to start swinging basically like for one uh, half year to see like how it works out. But the thing that I like most about it is that their son is five years old and he's autistic, um, but they don't like make a big thing out of it. And like, it's just how it is. Like it's, I feel like we need more of that in the world because boy, is it common. And like having an autistic kid, like a year ago, I was like so depressed. I mean, I think I went Mm -hmm. through like actual depression without really realizing it at the time. But like, I remember it was Christmas and I was like looking at the tree and all my kids like happily opening their little presents. And I was like, I don't think I'll ever be happy again. And like, that was a thought I had, like, I'm just going to be like sad for the rest of my life. Um, And obviously like I'm on the other end of it now. And I'm like, Oh, Renee, like that was really, really sad and dark. Um, But I, I felt like there was nobody telling me like, Hey, it's going to be fine. Like, this is just Mm -hmm. life. Like, people have different neurologies and that's like a hundred percent. Okay. Um, and so it's really kind of fun to read a book where like, yeah, there, like there's autistic people and there's neurotypical people. And like, that's just how it is. Um, I eat the world. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and like, on the other hand, there's some crappy books and I won't name them because I don't want to get them any press, but there's this woman who, who wrote this book recently um, and she's come under fire for it. She, she wrote about her son and how he likes talking to Siri because he's autistic and like, this is apparently the only relationship she thinks he'll ever have. And she said some pretty awful stuff in there about like, and when he's 18, I'm going to get like power of attorney so I can sterilize him. Like, what? oh, that's, yeah, that's nasty. Holy and it's. Yeah, it's eugenics. I mean, it's like super messed up, like borderline illegal. So um, I feel like what we need in the world is more books like The Arrangement, which are like, hey, like people are just different. Like, it's okay to let your kids be who they are. And like, it's okay if they need therapy and it's okay if they don't. And um, I don't know. I mean, the book is very little about the fact of the son having autism it's more about like the parents have this like really interesting um arrangement going on and it's a little bit dirty but like that's okay um but like they're living this normal life and also like we don't need to just have books with neurotypical characters i feel like that's i don't know something that Mm -hmm. i'm hoping to see more of in the world is is more neurodiversity in literature do you think you're gonna write some of that i do i'm working on a book called it's good <laughs> yay it's gonna be great maggie chowder and it's about this girl um i think she's probably about 11 or 12 and her thing is like she uh is really into this comic book that i made up called uh the amazing e-girl and it's about this like eagle girl who was raised by eagles but she's part girl and she's part the, girl. yeah so uh maggie chowder is like really into e-girl and she's like i also like to save everything and i like to fix situations and when her brother gets diagnosed with autism she's like okay i'm gonna fix this like everything's gonna be all right but like obviously he does not need to be fixed yeah. like that's <laughs> and it turns out that maybe maggie kind of needs to be fixed because she has a lot of problems of her own um <laughs> 
So I'm hoping that like, I don't know, that that'll be kind of among these books of like, we don't need to like fix people. Everyone is just different. Like, that's all right. And of course, you have four new books out. I do. Recently. Um, I do. The the whole series is called Winnaker Wallace. The first book is Winnaker Hates Paris. Um, the second book is called <laughs> Winnaker and the Baby Wait, W-A-I-T. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a joke. Right. Like, they're so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> the third book is Winnaker and the Christmas Visit. And the fourth book is Winnaker and the American Boy. So is Winnaker American or is Winnaker... <laughs> Yeah, she is. She um, is from Massachusetts, just like me. Um, and her mom gets a – she works basically at um, – it's like Zulily, but not because I can't, like, use that company's name in my book. Uh, but it's for, like, high fashion, and she gets to take over the Paris office. And so uh, Winnegar and her mom and dad and her grandma Balthazar move to Paris, and, like, Winnegar's like, my best friend is in – Massachusetts and like my school and everything I like is here and they don't have like fluffernutter sandwiches or anything in Paris and it's awful. I have never had a fluffernutter sandwich. Oh, because I'm not from here. <laughs> it's good. I mean, they're like I would not eat them as a meal. Like if you're like I kind of want something that's like ridiculously unnecessarily sweet. Like this is your sandwich. It's like peanut butter and marshmallow fluff on white bread, and that's it. Uh. It sounds so bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of good. I mean, I don't know if it's just because I kind of grew up, like, eating them once in a while, but, like, yeah, they were good. All right. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for talking to me. And I pet your cats for me. Cause I now will. I'm, I am catless. Oh, no. <laughs> I will. They'll send you some cat vibes. Aw. Oh, what are your cats' names again for everybody? Bezos and Ramona. A classic. A classic, exactly. <laughs> the perfect names for the author of children's books. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Ramona's another one who um, I related to her so hard as a kid because, like, she was also kind of a malcontent. Like, everything bothered her. <laughs> and she, she kind of like me, would, like, do stuff to do stuff. Like, I'm going to crack an egg on my head because why wouldn't I? And, like, then she's got egg in her hair. And, like, I mean, I really related to that. Like, sometimes you just do stuff to see what happens and you don't you're not prepared for the consequences. And so it doesn't seem fair when the world is like, of course you should have known that was going to happen. Like, well, I, I didn't. So get off my back. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the worst person in the room with Renee. And I hope you also didn't mind the, um, uh, slight ambush by the band Nightwish and their song end of all hope around the 55 minute mark. I could not resist. In regards to show business, the Worst Person in the Room podcast has a Facebook page at Worst Person Pod and also a Twitter, which I'm not currently using super much. It's an aspirational Twitter, as many people and eggs uh, have made. Our website is worstpersonintheroom.com, and you can find the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio or, I mean, honestly, wherever you found it today. So... Also, I do want to mention that it is currently my busy season at work, and I'm thinking about what I want to do with this podcast in regards to just the time that I have available and how much effort I'm willing to put into asking people 
which is terrifying, um, <laughs> to do the show. And I'm trying to come to some decisions about that. But I've given myself a lot of slack for the past about three months or so because it is my busy season at work. And it will continue to be my busy season for several more months. So I'm thinking about making it kind of a seasonal podcast or much more laid back. I know it doesn't really have a listenership at the moment, but I'm an aspirational podcast. So thank you for listening. I'm Teresa Francesca, and this has been The Worst Person in the Room. <laughs>